the game was different, right? The the, the rules was different. The ball. Oh, was the, Euro, different. The, Euro, the Euro style is different in America. The Euro style was a lot different in America. <laughs> That's the Especially, first time y'all seen that Euro step too, huh? Absolutely. So I'm Robert Bozeman from the Netherlands. Uh, I graduated from UC Riverside uh, summer of 2019 with a degree in uh, psychology. Uh, yeah. Okay. Hey, Rob. Hey, great, great having you on today. Um, yeah, thank you. Thanks, thanks for agreeing to do this. Um, definitely um, wanted to hear your story. Um, how and why did you choose UC Riverside? Um, so for me, uh, before UC Riverside, uh, well, after I, after I graduated high school, I went to CBA, Canary Islands. Mm -hmm. uh, and there, my really, my only goal there was uh, to develop myself as a basketball player and to get recruited to go uh, Division One basketball. So I talked to a couple of schools before that and they were interested, but nobody really offered me. So then in early signing period, uh, the assistant coach at the time at UCR came to visit to uh, CBA. Um, he watched a couple practices. We sat down and he pretty much offered me a full ride right away. So I talked to, I talked about it with my coaches there and I think we all agreed that it was, it was a pretty good fit for me. It was a division one school who was kind of like in a developing program. Mm -hmm. um, they're starting starting power forward i'm a power forward myself it was getting obviously a lot of the minutes but i would be able as a freshman to get some minutes right away in some pretty good in a pretty good conference so yeah that in combination with like how early and how convinced they were to offer me convinced me to uh, yeah to go to ucr okay nice um what type of scholarship did you get and did your grades play any factor um, in your scholarship? Uh, so I got a full ride. So I got tuition paid for pretty much everything that I needed. Um, the grades definitely did play a part of it. Uh, I actually had some, yeah, I, I wouldn't say trouble, but uh, with the eligibility center and with getting into the school because the UC system is pretty, on the high end uh, academically and the Dutch grades that I had from my high school uh, from the Netherlands weren't really translating well to the GPA uh, way of there. So uh, for their grades wise, I wasn't really on the high end of things. Um, uh, on top of that, it didn't help that in my senior year, uh, right, right before uh, my graduation, and all my exams, I was out for like two months with a very big concussion. Oh snap! Okay. So my grades didn't really. <laughs> yeah. They weren't the best. I, I pretty much almost didn't make all my exams because of that. So oh, my grades didn't really translate really well in <laughs> that way either. But eventually, I got in. Um, but yeah, the, the coach did have to do some, yeah, some talking to the the admissions people that I was, I was good for it and well, it, it paid off. I, yeah. That's crazy. Okay. And, um, do you know if you had to pay for, you know, was there other stuff? Did you pay for your books? Um, was there like international fee? Like what exactly, um, you know, a, a common theme that we have is we have international students that go across to the States and, you know, they hear full ride or they hear scholarship and they think, oh yeah, that's it. And then, you know, they come over and they're told, hey, you've got to pay insurance or you've got to. So was there any like hidden costs, if, if you will? Honestly, for me, not really. Um, we got a health insurance through the school. Uh -huh. So that was all covered within the uh, within the scholarship. Uh, we also, the, all the books that we needed, we were just able to pick up from the bookstore and we wouldn't have to pay for them. Okay, nice. Uh, like the athletic department paid for all that. And on top of that, we got like uh, a quarterly stipend to pay our rent, pay for food, which was really, I say this a lot, but I, I think it was 
you know, we, there's a lot of talk about should college athletes be paid? I felt like I was being paid through that stipend because it was, it was enough money so I could pay my rent and live comfortably. Like okay. I could easily go to the movies. I could, you know, I, I actually, after a couple of years, I bought a car because I got some money saved up. So I would say I live pretty comfortably there. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, that's a, that's a, uh, awesome point of view to bring that up. I like that. Um, and I guess that's, you know, not that we want to get into it too much, but I think that's what the NCAA are claiming that, Hey, look, these guys are amateurs. We give them enough, whatever. But then, you know, when you look at it in its totality, it's a multi-billion dollar, um, business. Yeah. And you know they're making money off guys being on 2K and all the rest of it. So, anyway, that's not what we're here for. Um, <laughs> um, what questions did you ask when you were being recruited to UC Riverside? Um, well, I like I like honesty, and so I really just told him like, "Hey, just just be straight up with me. Like, what kind of role would I have within the team? Because for me, it wasn't as important to go to like some high major school." For me, it was really important to really make minutes like in games. So that was really my kind of focal point on the basketball side of things and having trying to have an honest conversation about that. Like what kind of role would they see me fit in and, you know, the amount of minutes and just how this see, like would see my development over the years. And besides that, uh, also a little bit because of my mom, but the whole academic side of it, like, mm -hmm. I, I wanted to make sure that I was left with something valuable uh, degree-wise after basketball stopped. Okay, that's nice. It's, 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 it's um, always important to kind of think beyond basketball. I don't think a lot of players think beyond basketball. Um, certainly there is some who, who do look at it as a ticket to achieving your masters or just your bachelors um but yeah i think you know having an idea of what you would want to do afterwards is always important even if you're good enough to play pro at some level um mm. internationally or domestically um what questions you know being through the process and all the rest of it what what do you wish you did know so what do you wish you should have asked the coaching staff and stuff that you didn't get a chance to? Um, that's a good question. Um, I don't know if it would apply directly to the coaching staff, but I would have, you know, being, being a foreigner, I didn't know how the uh, like whole school system worked and with all the majors and all, all that kind of stuff. I didn't really know anything about it. And we were sometimes kind of pushed by the coaching staff to pick the easier classes or the e easier majors. Oh, so yeah, I've heard that too, yeah. You know, that's, and, and for me now, like I, I don't play anymore professionally or anything. So for me, I sometimes regret not pushing my own, you know, what I wanted to do academically versus what was the easiest way to get good grades. Because that's uh, like in the end, coaches are there to keep you eligible and keep you on, on the court. And, you know, all coaches like to have a high team GPA. Mm. But if you look at yourself, like what, what kind of classes, is there a minor you might want to do, like something that you want to pursue besides basketball? And I think that I would have liked to get a little more information on what the exact uh, way was that, that, that the system worked, you know? Like, okay, so I did a psychology degree, but now, thinking back on it, I would have liked to do a minor, but you know, that never occurred to me. So it was really, especially my freshman year, everything was brand new. I was only focused on basketball. Like I didn't know what major I wanted to do. I didn't know anything. So they just really put me in easy classes, easy A classes, you know, just get that high GPA. And at the, at the time that was fine, but looking back, I could have invested that time academically in something that I could pursue instead of something that was easy to get an A in. Uh, and you said something to uh, just now, which I didn't think about. You know, I've heard quite a lot of, you know, individuals talking about, oh yeah, uh, 
the coaching staff has, has um, influenced me, told me to take it easier class. And in my mind, keeping it simple, like, hey, you invest money in these kids, you want them to get good grades, not necessarily, you know, in something that they're passionate about. You're like, hey, well, I want them to be eligible to play. If I'm thinking of, as a college coach, like, hey, I've spent my budget getting these kids over, I need them to play. So, hey, take it easier class. But then what you've just said is you want the team to have a high GPA. Because now it makes it, you know, hey, we're all academic. I, that's something that I'm seeing a lot more of that we've got these guys, this group of guys, this one individual who's all conference um, academics, which, mm-hmm. um, you know, now that you say that, it, it's another motive of potentially why some coaches might um, want their athletes to take easier classes. So. That's a very interesting concept. I, yeah, I didn't really, you know, I'm just connecting the dots now, if you will. Um, yeah, I think, you know, we, we uh, well, in, in my experience, coaches talk a lot about, you know, we're family and we want the best for you also besides basketball. But I think as a player, you've got to be really protective of yourself and kind of always have in the back of your mind, you know, the, the coach like that's his job his job is to win games that's like that's his eventual goal and how is he going to do that that's going to be keep the players on the court which they they will have to be eligible for Mm. so it's not always in their best interest to pursue maybe a really hard class but that you know for for you that you actually like or find interesting instead of taking a little bit of the easier route and take a class that's also just worth just the amount of credits but mm-hmm. might be known as a little you know a little little easier to to pass or get a high grade in so i think that as, as a player as an athlete you, you have to keep in the back of your mind all right man like they absolutely don't decide on what classes i have to take there's obviously some classes and and some choices that you make that you know that, that can be good for you and it's not it's not bad to take a couple easy classes sometimes because you have to being an athlete you have to spread out your workload you can't take tough classes all the time you just don't have the time that's that's reality and you do have to understand like you're the reason that you're there and the reason they're giving you a scholarship is basketball so that's 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 kind of like a weighing that that you have to make it make a choice in so it's definitely a balancing act and it's, it's definitely a yeah. thin line um, I guess, you know, speaking from a coach's perspective as well, is if I have an understanding slash relationship with uh, an athlete and um, being around, you know, being in the program and I've had athletes that have tried to do um, psychology and psychology is so um, the workload is a lot. I'm going to, I can make a judgment and say, you know what? Rob, I don't think this is a good idea for you because, you know, two guys tried it last semester or the semester before and they couldn't keep up with it. They were ineligible. They couldn't play, blah, blah, blah. So I would suggest going for basket weaving or, you know, uh, um, you know, night dance, whatever. Yeah, whatever. Dance. Hey, Menno had me in stitches when he was talking about doing dance class. And I, I was laughing hard. That no, I, I, I can't. With him too. Like that was. Oh, that was. Hilarious. You know, coming c- coming from the Netherlands, like I, I think in the Netherlands the, the academic standard is pretty high. Yes. So then you go to a university and you you expect really a high level of education, and then you end up in a in a ballet dance class with a with a with a giant seven footer and two other teammates. I mean that that has still that like those things still have me cracking up sometimes. <laughs> funny i could i couldn't believe it i'm so upset i'm really gonna keep pushing him to see if i can get some video because oh i might i might have that somewhere still oh please please please. i want to see menno like dance (laughs) (laughs) the slowest guy in the world oh no that is hilarious (laughs) um (laughs) what was the league play like um what was the league play like at, at UC Riverside? Um, 
you know, was it guard dominated? Was it big dominated? You know, how how did you find it? Um, I think it was pretty pretty diverse. It was it was a pretty high pace basketball, but it wasn't really running gun. I, th I think it was pretty well balanced. Uh, for me, my freshman year, I had a lot of trouble kind of catching up to the speed because mm -hmm. the speed that you play in college versus the speed we play in Europe is so different. So I felt like I was behind pretty much my whole freshman year. Mm -hmm. It was really my sophomore year that it really started clicking. I was being able to pick up, you know, the, the speed a little bit, which made the game a lot easier for me. But uh, what was fun about uh, the Big West Conference is that it's really any team can beat anyone. So every, really every game is a dogfight. You know, UC Irvine was, was normally one of the, one of the better teams. They were top ranked, but it was not said that the number nine team couldn't beat UC Irvine. You know, it, it was very, it was a very close competition all the time. So I think that was that's kind of like a unique characteristic about the Big West Conference. Mm -hmm. Also, like, so it has every, every team can compete with each other, but then again, only one team in, from the whole conference will go to the NCAA tournament. So I think that made the conference really competitive. Mm -hmm. How did you, how did you find fitting in? I know you said you struggled your, your freshman year, but how did you, how did that suit you? You know, how did you adapt to it? Um, so my first year, like I said, I felt like I was behind all the time. Um, I kind of had to adapt as a player. Um, like the youth basketball that I played in Europe, I was most of the time the biggest guy on the court. Uh, one of the most athletic guys, but I kind of transitioned into being more of a pick and pop shooter um, in, in college, which I really had to f really find my my groove kind of uh, and, and find my place to fit in, which I think is really also important in, in colleges. Don't expect to be good at everything. Really find, you know, find your role. What can you do within the team to help the team? Well, for me, that was play uh, hard defense on on the big guys, which I was pretty good at, and then it was pick and pop at uh, basketball, shooting threes. So for me, my freshman year, I hit a couple threes, and these like my teammates started trusting me more. Mm -hmm. But I only played like 10, 11 minutes a game, which is not bad for a freshman. Mm -hmm. uh, and then as a sophomore, I started playing more, and our starting four got into some situation. I won't really go into it that much, but. He was unable to start a lot of the games early in the season. So I got the start. So I got, I think I got nine starts uh, before Christmas, which was huge for me. So I got, I got to play a lot of minutes and then I just, I just felt like my shot was magic. Like every ball that I touched just went in. I still have a screenshot of the, uh, of the website from, for like the top shooters. I think after nine games, I was fourth in whole division one in three point percentage, no which way. was awesome. I, that was I was really riding my own little little cloud, and <laughs> yeah. so I, I felt like that really. Yeah, that was a great, that great ride. I love it. Okay, um, okay. So the turning point now. Um, why was your college playing career incomplete? Why why didn't you finish playing? Um, so. It was kind of, I think the turning point was really Christmas, my uh, sophomore year. I started having some trouble during practice uh, with my heart. My heart started really pounding, not really faster, but harder. Uh, I got shortness of breath, that kind of stuff. So it was kind of odd. And um, we started going to the cardiologist, get it checked out. And no one could really find anything except for I had some deficiency with my, my valve. but. Uh, with my heart valve, which they said was no problem. It shouldn't really impact my performance. So they pretty much let me go. But the second half, like after Christmas conference play of my sophomore year, it started getting worse and worse. And it, it, it got to a point that I couldn't complete a full practice without starting hyperventilating. My heart started pounding. So that was kind of... The turning point for me, uh, I had a really close relationship with my uh, with our physio, 
with the sports sports medicine uh, staff, and and we just started going. We I I told him like, all right, if this keeps going like this, I I just I can't play anymore. Like I don't feel like I feel like I'm playing on sixty percent of what I can normally do physically. So for me, I I didn't play well. Uh, coach obviously lost trust in me, in not just in, in in myself or in my playing ability, but more. He was also scared. Like I can't let anything happen to this kid on the court, pretty much. So I started playing less and less minutes, and I think I got in a pretty unique situation where the coach told me before practice, like, "Hey, man, if you feel like stepping out today, you can step out. You don't have to complete the whole practice." Which I don't think a college coach very often does. Um, so yeah, that was that was kind of a yeah weird second half of the year. Uh, so after the, I talked with sports medicine and I was like, all right, we got to make a decision here. So I kind of wrote out the season. We went through a conference tournament and when the season was over, we just started going to every specialist that we could find. And eventually I ended up finding out that I had a small enlarged aorta, which uh, was the beginning of an aneurysm, uh, which then meant that pretty much my basketball playing career was over. Wow. So yeah, that's uh, so after my sophomore year, I had to stop playing. And then uh, I had every six months, I had to check up to see uh, how it was developing. Uh, so we hoped that it wouldn't uh, grow. Uh, and they said, okay, normally we find this in, in, in people from ages ranging from 50 to like 60. So it's pretty unique to find it at, for someone this young and this this healthy. Uh, but at my first six month checkup in January, 2017, uh, I had my echo done and everything. So I went home and then two days later they called me and they were like, well, we need you to come back in because we think our measurements were off or something like that. I was like, that's weird. They, they thought that something went wrong with the test that I did. But um, what was the case was that it grew so fast that now it was a full-on aneurysm. And they never really seen that speed of growth before. So immediately after that second checkup in January, they sent me to the surgeon and I made an appointment. He pretty much gave me the choice like, all right, well, it's not life-threatening yet, but some sometime along the near future, you're going to have to have surgery. So he gave me the choice to, yeah, schedule it as soon as possible, pretty much, or try to carry it over to the summer so I can finish my school the school year and get most of the recovery done in the summer so I wouldn't miss as much school. Mm. Uh, at that time, I was... Like it was messing with my head so much that I was like, nah, I, I will figure out my school, but let's do it as soon as possible. So then I got um, open heart surgery on April 4th, uh, 2017, which was, which I'm thankful that I made that decision because um, obviously it's a very risky procedure. And they, when, when they were done, the surgeon came down the waiting room where my parents and my brother were and they were like i'm happy we did it now we already started seeing cracks in the walls of his aorta so he wouldn't have made it till the summer man that's yeah <laughs> that is wild that's pretty deep man thank you for sharing that's pretty man um... yeah it's uh it's some crazy stuff i still like still nowadays, I still sometimes don't believe that all that happened. You know, it's it was such a crazy time. So, oh, man. So how was it with um, your coach? Obviously, it's a medical reason and you couldn't continue. But, you know, from the school side of things, um, how was it with your scholarship? Did you keep your scholarship or...? Yeah, so I was I was very lucky that um, you know I'm very thankful for UCR that you know they, they they treated me the way that they did. It was obviously a very unique situation, and they were able to 
put my athletic scholarship and, and transfer it into something called a, a medical scholarship. So pretty much I kept my same scholarship, but instead of being it awarded as a basketball player, it was being awarded um, just from the athletic department itself. So I didn't take up a roster spot on the team. Okay. Yeah, 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 but yeah, yeah, I still yeah. had to keep my um, my scholarship and was I was able to finish my uh, degree. And on top of that, I have to say, obviously the insurance for the school covered a lot of it. And it was the way the American system works, all the medical expenses were, I, I, I seen all the bills because all the ba- bills came straight to my house. It was crazy, like the amount of money that it cost, but they covered everything. And even from the payments you have to make yourself, which was, I think, eventually about $3,000. Um, I know the, the part of it, uh, the Big West Conference paid for it. And a part of it, my Dutch uh, health insurance that I still had covered a part of it too. So that way I didn't spend a penny. Uh, and besides that, my mom, well, my mom, dad, and my brother came out for the surgery. Mm-hmm but I was going to need like pretty much three months of continuous care. So my mom took a leave from her job and she came to the States and the school provided us with a family housing unit where I could recover on campus. So it's together with my mom. Um, now, was there any point in the decisions or, you know, while all this is going on that you know, you would have thought, okay, you know what, this is going on, it's a lot, I don't want to be on my own, well, I can't be on my own, so um, I'm going to get the procedure done at home, was there ever talk about getting it done at home? Uh, There definitely was talk about it, but everything went so fast that at the point that we found out that I needed to have surgery uh, within the near future, the doctors told me that I probably shouldn't fly. So I really couldn't go home. And besides that, I uh, was lucky enough to be under the care of uh, one of the best uh, uh, cardiologists and surgeons in the whole United States at Loma Linda University. So I had a lot of trust in the doctors there and I knew that they would, you know, that they gave me the best chance to recover fully and have a good procedure. So in that i just you know i felt like it was the best to stay there um man this is some 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 touching stuff um can you talk us through the process of um man this is gonna be rough of what it was like when you found out that you couldn't play anymore like you know what was that understanding the investment that you had in initially and you know the hard work it took to get there um can you touch on you know what it was like um yeah i think it was i think there were a couple stages through that whole uh yeah mindset kind of thing at first it was just like i said i felt like i was playing at 60 percent of what i physically could and I just noticed it, it. There was a really big change. I sh- like I said before, I shot, I think, 64% from three uh, before Christmas in the first nine games, which translated to a 12% from three in conference play. And that was not because the defense changed or anything like that. It was really just my physical ability to play basketball. So at that point, I already told the sports medicine staff, like, I don't know if I can do this anymore. I feel like I'm fighting against my own body and I can't perform on the basketball court anymore. So that was really part one. I didn't even know that, you know, I medically couldn't, I didn't know what was wrong with me and I didn't know that I could medically not play anymore. So that was really part one, which was, that was a struggle. It was really hard. It was also because no one knew what it was and they couldn't really find anything. My teammates were like, come on, Rob, you can't just quit on us, you know, during practice. Coach was like, 
you know, don't don't be a baby, especially in the beginning, because we're like, don't be a baby. You're just tired. You just gotta. You're just out of shape. You know, all those kind of things that I, I got thrown on my head. So that really made me question myself. Like, is there really something wrong with me or not? So I think that was the first really the struggle while I was still playing. Obviously, then I went to the doctors. Uh, I I remember vividly the doctor telling me you will never play any high level sport in your life again. And at that moment, it was just man, it was it was like my my world just fell apart. Everything I've ever worked for, I didn't. You know, it was it was all gone pretty much. So I remember coming back from doctors. I was pretty kind of kind of in shock. Coming back from the from the doctors, I went straight to the sports medicine office to the clinic, and I just sat in his office and I really cried my eyeballs out because yeah, I didn't know what to do. And I think the whole year after that, I kind of got. Um, kind of got into accepting that I couldn't play anymore and starting to, you know, what can I do and, and trying to accept it, which was really hard. I can, I can, I can say pretty confidently that that year, like the first half year, year after they told me I couldn't play anymore, really the year between they told me and between the surgery, it was, yeah, I, I was pretty depressed. You know, I, I think people surrounding me, they can vouch for that too. It, I was not myself. It was it was a pretty dark time mentally. So that was really hard. But then when the surgery came along, it was pretty much straight into survival mode. Like I couldn't, I couldn't worry about anything. I, would, I even had friends tell me and my, my current ex-girlfriend, she like, I kind of pushed everybody away. You know, I, I couldn't, deal with anything except for trying to just focus on the surgery and trying to survive and not get it let it get the best of me uh but then when the surgery was done i honestly it was the hardest three months of my life physically and mentally but especially physically just recovering from the surgery but after that i felt i felt kind of reborn i was just you know especially after the surgeon told me how, how lucky I was and stuff like that I, I just felt thankful that I was still alive and you know motivated to see what I could make out of my life after being an athlete and that that's really what uh, what this whole process had taught me like you know basketball is amazing and I, I wish I was still playing I wish I was in the position that I was playing pro overseas now but it's sometimes it's just not like that, you know, not everybody will get the chance. And for me, uh, it was a medical reason that kept me from it, but it did teach me like there's more things to life. There's more important things, you know, like there's always something that you can do to kind of like have fun in your life, you know, yeah. enjoy it, enjoy your life. Yeah. Um what do you think the value was so normally the, you know the question would be um do you regret um going to to the states do you think it was worth um all that effort but i guess my revamp question is um what was the value of you going to the states you know playing you know college ball um especially being in this situation now like how much of that, you know, you played three years or two, two and a two. bit. I played uh, two years. Yeah. Yeah. Two, two years. Um, how, how did you feel that, you know, given the circumstance that you're in now, how, how, how do you value that, those two years? Um, I mean, those, obviously those two years were probably the greatest years of my life. It was the experience overall and just the basketball that I played, the, the places I got to travel, just everything surrounded. I'm so happy that I, I got to experience playing Division One basketball. Like now I realize like how special it is and how little amount of people are able to have that um, experience. And for me, it was really 
my childhood dream to play division one basketball or just play college basketball. So I really do feel like my dream did come true, even though it also got busted the way it did. But yeah, they're of immense value, the years that I spent over there. Nice. Okay. Um, on to the, uh, the trivial and tour stuff now, I'm trying to line it a little bit. Um, <laughs> what was the, the, the weather like in Cali? Oh man, it was hot. It was very hot year round. The summers were excruciating. Uh, I think we got one summer we had a heat wave and it got up to like, what was it like 115, 120 degrees Fahrenheit. And it was, you know, for all the Celsius people out there, that's about 50 degrees Celsius. It's, it was not good. I was, uh, so my AC actually broke in my house. So I couldn't be in my house. So I went to a teammate, uh, to a teammate's place. Uh, he, the, guy, the guy was from Sweden. And it was my, my freshman year roommate in the dorms. So I spent those days and nights just chilling on an air mattress on the floor there because it was so hot. And it was actually so hot during the day that his AC from his apartment, it, it couldn't keep up. So we decided, all right, <laughs> let's go to the gym, you know, to have good air conditioning yeah. you go lay on the floor there but getting there was it was a challenge man we opened the front door and we felt like we were walking straight into an oven it was not even like the, the sky wasn't even like blue anymore it was just kind of like yellow it was it was crazy but then the winters it was very mild every once in a once and again it was raining but it, you couldn't really call it rain especially for me being from the netherlands i'm used to rain so yeah it was the, the weather there was it was awesome, man. The, the, the spring and the fall there were just fantastic. Okay. Making me want to pack my bags and, and head over there. <laughs> you should. <laughs> um, what's the must-see destination? Um, around Riverside? Yeah, or just in Cali in, gen uh, in general. Where's, where's the tourist oh, place that you went to and you're like, oh man, like I go there every time. For me, it was uh, Yosemite National Park, without a doubt. My, the summer of my, I think the summer after my freshman year, after summer school, we went on a little camping trip. And we just packed our tents and we just camped up in Yosemite and we just hiked there. And it was, I think one of the most beautiful sceneries I've ever seen. It was, it's really stunning. Nice, okay. Yeah. Uh, best place to get food. Best place to get food, huh? I mean, if we're talking fast food joint. It gotta be like In-N-Out or Our Burgers. Okay. Our Burgers had some greatest breakfast burrito. If we're really talking dinner, I gotta go Cheesecake Factory. Cheesecake Factory. Oh yeah. I feel like someone said that already, but I mean, probably I haven't had it. But is it really <laughs> that good? Yeah, I think it was that good. It's What's just yeah. From the Cheesecake Factory. Oh, I always got the the pasta. I forgot the name. It's been a minute. I, they, they had this really good pasta there. Okay. So okay. for us, it was really kind of like the end of the week. We used to go to just go to Cheesecake Factory with a bunch of friends and just eat, stuff our faces. It was great. <laughs> okay, that was you guys' uh, weekly uh, reward. That's, that's yeah, I mean, week. whenever we could, we really... You know, whenever we could and we had the funds for it, we, we were up for it, and then we went to Cheesecake Factory. It's kind of a go-to. I, I gotta take a visit, man. I've seen it a couple of places. I need to I need to take a visit. Oh, yeah. Um, where's the best place to get kicks if you're a sneakerhead? Ooh. Yeah, I, would, I would say the locker room, but <laughs> get, the, get the basketball kicks. That felt like Christmas, you know, when we had the fresh new pair. Nah, the best place, I would say, House of Hoops Food Locker. Okay. Yeah. No, that's a pretty good place to get kicks. That's popular. Okay. Um, what's what was the best? Well, yeah. What was the best American holiday, and why? Oh, Thanksgiving by far. You didn't even think. <laughs> nah, it's just the food, man. That's. I got invited to uh, my first year. I got invited to I think a teammate's house. 
and his mom just went all out with everything and his whole family it was, it was awesome so much food and then after that i went uh with our physio from the sports medicine clinic and it's just the food it was it's awesome it's yeah <laughs> so much food great so much food so much good food that's hilarious um boom 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 did you get homesick and how did you deal with it? Um, yeah, I think, especially uh, ap apart from my time in the States, I think the most homesick I got was in Spain. Mm -hmm. um, in the US, I also got homesick every once in a while, but it was really, I really always, always got homesick when it was like two weeks out from going home, you know? when you're almost going home, almost the end of the quarter, almost the end of the year, and you have this set date that your flight is on, and you, you just keep looking like, all right, eight more days. Okay, okay, I can do this. But the closer you got to going home, the more homesick you got, pretty much. Because uh, you like, the anticipation builds up. Yeah, absolutely. I get you. And how did you deal with it? What, what methods did you use to... I mean, I didn't really... No, you just just no, wrote it out. Just yeah, it was just, it was just whatever. <laughs> it's like, all right, I want to go home. What am I gonna do now? Um, what was your level of independence um, going into college? Uh, and what three things would you advise um, potential students that they have to know how to do um, before they go into college? Well, you obviously got to know how to do your laundry. That's that's number one. Because, uh -huh. you know, your, your practice gear and, and stuff, they'll, they'll wash that for you. At least at UCR they did, but your own clothes, you got to wash those. Mm -hmm. the second thing is know how to eat healthy, especially in the States. It's, um, and this is kind of like an after the fact, looking back, it's really easy to get takeout and fast food every day because it's cheap and it's, you know, it's everywhere, but know how to cook a decent meal at home. That'll, that'll really help you with your, your game performance too. The third thing, don't be afraid, you know, to talk to people. You know, you're, you're coming into a new place. You don't know anybody. Just talk to people. You'll make friends like that. And don't be afraid to ask coaches about, you know, if you don't know where to go, don't know where your class is, don't know, you know, you're obviously you're new. They know that they know you're new and they know you're from like a very far foreign place. So don't be afraid to ask anything. They'll gladly help you out. I like that. The asking of questions sometimes, you know, uh, especially being an international, you're like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know. Um, yeah, obviously you don't want to look like, you know, the guy who knows nothing. Yeah, but in yeah. the end, you are a freshman, and they do expect a certain level of not knowing things mm. from a freshman. So, you know, don't be ashamed. Every everybody has been in that place. Even the, the you know the guys from the states, they're not going to know where all their classes are. So, if you are a fresh, if you are a freshman, act like one. <laughs> act like one. Um, I mean, well, yeah. Like, <laughs> What was the what was the biggest adjustment to the American culture? Um, like, what was the what was the biggest differences between you know being home in the Netherlands to being in um, California? So besides the weather, because that was <laughs> shocking, um, it's kind of how people, especially in California, I feel like kind of the way people interact with each other. For me, I'm a very direct person. I can be a little blunt sometimes. Um, and that is kind of normal in the Netherlands. You know, I kind of say what I think. If I don't like you, that's okay for me. Like, I don't have to like everybody, but I'm not gonna be like fake nice. And that's kind of different in California. In California, it's everybody acts to be nice to each other. Hey, how are you? Oh my God, so good to see you. Even though they hate your guts. And that, that was really the big difference for me. I, I was shocked at how many people acted happy to see me. And I was like, I've seen you twice, relax. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've seen you twice, relax, chill out. <laughs> yeah, chill out, you don't know me that well. <laughs> uh, that's hilarious, I love it. <laughs> Um, my favorite question. Um, 
how did you deal with distractions? Um, you know, you're a young man, uh, you know, 17, 18, 19, going over to college, um, 6,000 miles away from home, eight hours time difference. How did you deal with the distractions of alcohol, women, um, and drugs? Um, I mean, for me, the whole alcohol thing, I was never really the guy who went out to parties and I was never really the partier. I was always very focused on basketball and I think that kind of carried over into the States. Mm-hmm. Although I have to say after my, we, I did join a fraternity there. If I look at it from a basketball perspective, I did it with, with one other teammate uh, my, the summer of my freshman year. I think looking back at it, basketball wise, I don't know if it was the best decision, but then again, I don't think it impacted our performance that much either, because from day one, we told them and we told ourselves basketball will always come first. So mm-hmm. I don't know, As lo- I think as long as you tell yourself like, hey, you're here to do one thing and that's basketball, but you know. You're obviously you're allowed to have fun you're allowed to have a life and i think which is also really important uh is to you know enjoy yourself and make the most out of the experience because in the end you're not just playing basketball there you're full-on living there you are a student so within reason enjoy yourself as long as it doesn't affect your performance in basketball you know allow yourself to go out for a beer or allow yourself to, to hit a party every once in a while. You know, if you're off the next day, allow yourself to have a movie night or go out with friends, whatever. Just don't do it like, don't be stupid. That's pretty much like, don't do it the, the day before a before a game, obviously, or don't miss practice because of it. Don't let it impact your basketball. But in, in the end of the day, it's still your life. You're still a student. And don't be afraid to sometimes, you know, enjoy that life. Nice, okay. Um... And how about dealing with uh, the opposite sex or, you know, love interests, we'll call it. Um, You know, you did mention briefly earlier you had a a girlfriend and stuff like that. So how is it in terms of managing a girlfriend and trying to ensure that, you know, especially, you know, if she's not your girlfriend of, hey, instead of going to the gym, I'm going to spend time with her or, I mean, how do you deal with that distraction? Uh, I think for me, I had a couple shorter relationships there and one longer one. Uh, and two of them were both also athletes at UCR. So I think okay. with that, it was easier to manage that because she was living the same life as me. So in the end, we, we both knew our priorities and I think sometimes my ex was more motivated for her sport than I was for mine. So she really kept me in line nice. and was like, all right, we got to go to bed early because I got an early practice in the weight room tomorrow. And I was like, oh shit, I, I want to watch a movie. Nope, we're going to bed. So <laughs> for me, I think that was, that, that was a little easier that she actually kept me in line. But on the other side, obviously I only played for two years. And after that I did, I have to say, after I was done with my whole surgery and everything, I did enjoy college life. It was, I just kind of let myself go and, you know, did the whole fraternity thing, did the partying, did all that. And it was, it was great. It was, I think, good for me mentally as well. Kind of explore, kind of, you know, let go of the super strict basketball schedule and kind of see what a real student's life was. So, yeah. Um, last question, and this has been great. This has probably been the most, I guess, heartfelt, like, yeah. Um, managed, glad we managed to keep it together. Um, what advice would you give to new recruits looking to attend college? Um, it really is kind of, you know, the, the thing that everybody says act like every practice is your last practice because honestly like act like every game could be your last game because it really could be like unfortunately i am living that experience at some point it was 
all of a sudden all taken away from me. So really make the best out of it. And especially on the hard days, there's gotta be days that you're like, I don't wanna practice hard today. But those are especially the days like you really gotta grind. If you wanna make it as an athlete, then you like, those are the moments that you really gotta push through and really find something within yourself that motivates you to push through those days. But in the end, it's it's all about, it's not about just the basketball experience. It's also about your life experience, you know? Enjoy it while you're there. That's really, enjoy the whole ride, the whole experience, because it really can be over tomorrow. Uh, notes, yeah, yeah, especially in, especially during these, these times that we're in now, the global pandemic and stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, you just don't know. You don't know what's happening tomorrow. You don't know, you know, as much as we can plan. Um, yeah, you just don't know. So yeah, enjoy, enjoy, enjoy. Yes, we all have goals, ambitions and all the rest of it, but don't skip over the process of getting there. Exactly. Don't, you know, don't forget to enjoy today um while looking at tomorrow so yeah that that is pretty awesome um rob it's been great to have you here with us this 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 morning afternoon um whatever yeah, the time thank you for having me man <laughs> what's up everybody i'm robert bozeman thank you for watching the euro stepping don't forget to like subscribe and everything and for the rest you know stay safe appreciate you watching the euro stepping i want to thank everybody for watching euro stepping Watching the Euro Stepping. The Euro Stepping. The Euro Stepping. You've been watching the Euro Stepping. The Euro Stepping. The Euro Stepping. You've been watching the Euro Stepping, a great podcast show hosted by Coach D.